This episode of The Artist and the Athlete made me want to scream from the rooftops. I found it so empowering and insightful. I have known soccer star, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Abby Wambach, for several years, so I know how motivational she can be. But I didn't expect 24-year-old multi-platinum recording artist Becky G to match her self-awareness. These two powerhouses, they have such different backgrounds, but their drive and commitment to personal growth and societal change is exactly the same. I'm grateful for the honesty Becky G shared opening up about the circumstances that compelled her to record an album in Spanish. And Abby, such a force. I took notes on her leadership advice. They were that good. Fun fact, in the past few years, she fell in love with and married activist and author Glennon Doyle, who happens to be my sorority sister from college. She may make a surprise cameo during this conversation. As for Abby and Becky, though, we begin with one connection we did know about coming into this conversation. They are now both investors of the new women's soccer team in LA, Angel City FC. I'm so excited to talk to you both, but where are you at the moment? I'm in LA. I'm an LA girl. I don't ever plan on leaving. So whenever I could be home, I am home. I've been spending most of my quarantine here. Nice. I'm in uh, Naples, Florida, but um, Becky, I don't know if you know this, we are moving to LA come June. So we are excited. Amazing. We're getting out of the conservative South and we're heading back to the West or or, uh, the best coast is what I hear. I love it. I love it. You are welcome. Why are you most excited about that? Well, you know, there's this little thing called Angel City (laughs) that um, prompted us to start thinking about this, you know, so the NWSL, the new team that that both Becky and I are co-owners with, um, it's takes the field in 2022. And, you know, we wanted to give our kids a little bit of a head start. We still got two kids that are going to be going through high school. um, So we wanted to give them as much chance in LA as possible. So awesome. That the connection, I know you guys know of each other, obviously you've been, have you been around each other? How much? No. Yeah. No, we haven't really met in person. It's just all through social media and like just Zoom calls. You're amazing. Like everything that you do and the work that you're doing and the fact that you're doing it in the place that you grew up and that you still want to you're, you're reinvesting what, what the city of Los Angeles has given to you just speaks volumes about who you are and knowing the founders of Angel City and knowing how particular they have, have, have made the choice on who they want to bring on board. I just know that Becky G is the best. Oh, thank you so much. I feel so honored hearing that from you. I got to say me and so many of my family members were like massive fans of yours. And it's just so surreal to me exactly what you're saying, like the city that I grew up in. And like, we're officially going to have our own club, our own club for our female players. I grew up playing soccer. So it's so crazy. I feel like I would have played so differently growing up if I knew that there was even the slightest chance, not that I was any good, but even if there was the slightest (laughs) chance that I could play for my city, my hometown, I mean, that would have been insane. And that's exactly why I felt like, you know, I needed to get involved. And then here I am with yourself on like, Zoom calls and business, like, type stuff. I don't know. It's just crazy. It's really awesome for sure. That process, Abby, that you're talking about and being really selective, can you explain what that has been like and and why? And also for our listeners, can you explain what exactly Angel City FC is and why it's so important? Yeah. So Angel City FC is the, uh, it's going to become an NWSL women's soccer 
team, a professional women's soccer team. The NWSL is the National Women's Soccer League in the United States. It's the only one that's professional in the U.S. So Angel City FC is going to be the next team that comes into the NWSL. We don't take the field until 2022, so we've got some work to do, right? So we've got to fill out um, a staff. We've got to figure out where we're going to play, which is we figured out where we're going to play. We're playing at the bank, same place as LAFC. And, and in terms of how I came to uh, the Angel City ownership group, I actually got a DM um, on my phone from Natalie Portman. And I'm name dropping Natalie Portman because like, I don't know Natalie Portman. I was like, uh, did you think it was a joke? Yeah, she DM'd me and she's like, hey, can I call you tomorrow? And I was like, um, I guess like, okay, Natalie Portman. And she called me and it was the day before they were going to release the news that that Angel City was going to become an NWSL team. And she said, I need to tell you a story. She said, two years ago at a Time's Up event, I listened to you on stage tell your story about the inequities between men and women. And she said, from that moment, moment forward, I went about trying to figure out why that was. And I realized and I found out that L.A. didn't have a women's soccer team. And I was like, wait, how can this be? And she said, so what we've gone and done is we have collected other women, other founders who want to and can invest money to totally revolutionize the way that professional sports um, ownership can look like. And they went out and created a female majority owned team and then offered, here's the kicker, and this is the most important thing. They offered ownership shares at whatever price we wanted to the women who built women's soccer in this country. So they got in touch with all the women who had LA roots and said, do you want to be involved with this? We would love to have you, like you bring whatever you can to the table, right? And so she said, I couldn't not ask you to be a part of this. Like, you're the one that kind of started this whole process. And of course, like, I, I, before she finished her sentence, I said, yes, I'm a part of it. Yes. Don't take it back. Don't take it back, Natalie Portman. <laughs> right. and, and so, yeah, that, that, I mean, it was just like such a surreal moment. And honestly, like, it was that night that we decided that we were going to move back to L.A., because this is the the whispers of life, right? Oprah, Oprah says, like, life whispers things to you. And if you're not listening, life will throw bricks in your face. So we're avoiding bricks and we're just going to move to L.A. That's where we need to be. Um, and Becky, I don't know what your, um, wow. you know, way into this team was, but that was mine. Pretty incredible. That's amazing i mean natalie didn't personally dm me um it's okay i'm I'm not offended i consider all of you guys just like incredible women that i'm just even honored to just be on the same roster of you know on the same list of as as owners of of acfc but um it was my story is a little different i hunted julie down when i tell you i hunted her down i mean i hunted her down i was like talking to my managers. I was talking, I was calling my agents. I was like, guys, I need to be a part of this. It had literally just broke. And I was like, I I'll, I'll be a host on the pitch of like post game interviews or something. I'll do whatever it takes. I need to be a part of this team some way, somehow. Why did you feel that way? Well, because I, I like I said, I, I grew up like in my city, like soccer is just such a huge part of 
you know, my culture being Mexican American, having grown up, like you, you grow up playing soccer. There's no, there's no other thing that you grow up doing. Um, and I loved it so much and it taught me so much. But as far as opportunity goes, you know, once I transitioned to working in, in, in the industry of entertainment, of uh, in film and TV and music specifically, it, it kind of mirrored a lot of the same struggles. It's like, there's a lot of talent, not enough opportunity. And so I felt like, man, I mean, I know a lot of, you know, young women who continue to stuck with the sport, you know, who played college ball, travel ball and all kinds of things and the investments that families, sacrifices that families, because it's not cheap to play ball. And everyone knows that, like even to sign up at an AYSO, you know, for us was like a struggle. Like for me to get some new boots was like, ooh, today's a good day, you know. Um, and so I just felt like, man, it'd be so crazy, you know. And and then there's a little side of it that's a little bit more personal. You know, me and my boyfriend, we've been together five years and um, he's he plays in the MLS and seeing just the 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 diligence that these individuals have and the structure and also the the physicality of it how exhausting it can be um but how much he loves it and how passionate he is about it and I always thought to myself man if we ever had a daughter one day like and she told me I want to be like daddy I don't have to tell her no actually I can tell her you could be better than daddy Mm -hmm. um and that's exciting that's cool you know so there's a lot of reasons why um I called Julie and hunted her down and I was like look whatever you need me for just let me know. She's like, well, actually, we still have a window open if you'd like to take a serious look at owning a piece of of this team. And this is who we have, you know, in that lineup of individuals who have already done so. And I was like, if that's an option, then yes, I'm I'm in. Exactly how Abby said. Like, I don't take it back. This is it. I, I have to do it. It was like a sign. Wow. What what did Sebastian think about it, your boyfriend? Oh my goodness. He's like, this is this is the most badass thing ever. It's so badass. He's like, this is, I'm so proud of you. He he knows he was one of the first people that I I stayed up like all night. The the night it was announced. I was like, I have to find a way. We were sitting on the couch and I was like, Do you know what this means? Like for women in sports, like for in my city, like it's, it's massive. It's a huge opportunity. Like I have to be a part of it. And so, um, you know, a week later I had managed to get Julie on the phone and we were on the phone for like an hour and I was pacing back and forth in our old apartment. And I was like getting all the information and, and, and what are the numbers and what are, what's it looking like? And what are, what are you guys planning on being on the pitch? And, um, it was after that call that I was. I looked at him. I remember hanging up the phone and being like, it's happening. I'm, I'm going to do it. And he's like, what are you going to do? Because it was still like, you know, this, what does it even look like type thing? Mm-hmm. And um, when I told him that I wanted to invest in the team, um, and then it was official. And then I got all my gear. I was online shopping, buying all of the, the merch for all of my family, which is a lot of people because I was so proud. Um, it was It was really funny. God. It's so cool too when you think about just you guys and and your paths and your journeys and and both of you getting up getting to the same point right but having very different avenues of getting there which is just really cool and interesting to think about when when you think back about your childhoods you know Abby you playing soccer and Becky playing soccer but also you know just becoming a businesswoman so early right in your childhood. What um what do you think it was from that experience that has shaped and molded you guys to be able to do what you do today? Um, that's a good question. I think a lot in everything. I think that it's the equal parts of having 
for me growing up in a a huge family, um, one that required me to in, to get any kind of attention from my parents, I had to do something big, right? So go ahead, like just go play soccer and play for the U.S. and win gold medals. Like that's that's where I I have my dreams set. I don't have low standards, and I I probably <laughs> assume to think that Becky is the same way. Because you were one of seven, right? You had six siblings. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I'm the youngest of seven, and I think that you know there's this there was just always this hunger inside of me, right? It, it's the same kind of hunger that Becky's talking about. That when you see something beautiful and something so beautiful that you have to be a part of it, and you are not going to take no for an answer, right? So it's like. Becky seeing the the news and just forcing herself into a, a situation because she sees it and she knows that it's going to be amazing and she just has this this deep knowing. For me to look around the other owners, th- these are women who have been rebelling against what the world has t- taught them how to be as a woman and have paved their own path and have made their own choices and have rebelled against what the world has said. Okay, this is what it means to be a woman, to be small, to be quiet, to stay on the path. Otherwise, the big bad wolf is going to get you. And it's like, no, 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 no. I want what I want. And I'm going to actually say what I want when I want it. So how I learned that, I don't know, being around other really badass women throughout the course of my career and watching them over year, over year, over year, um, make decisions that, and I know that when you group together a group of people who all have a similar goal in life, and for all of us, it's probably like somewhere in the future, you know, like I'm all for being present mm-hmm. and I want to be right here right now. But like my best day is definitely in my future. And that's just like how I see the world. That's how I want to operate. And the person to my left and the person to my, my right on a daily basis are there so that I am forcing myself to push myself bigger, better, stronger, faster, because I just don't know what my limit is. And that's, that's what Angel City FC is for me. It's like this, this opportunity, but also this, this, this time where I'm going to be able to learn from all these other women. I don't know. I, don't remember the question, but I think it answered something in there. Yeah. And Becky, like I've, the stories that I have heard about you growing up and deciding that you're going to Google, you know, like agents and all that, that's so impressive. So I was curious, yeah, like what you've learned along the way that has been something that you would share maybe with your younger self. I think she's frozen. Oh, she's frozen. You know, it's so (laughs) annoying. She's so pretty. Yeah. So she looks pretty frozen. (laughs) Our podcast is presented by AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. This podcast brought to you by AutoZone, your stop for wipers and everything you need to see better and drive safer. All right, guys, we all know April showers bring May flowers, but they also may bring your attention to some worn out wiper blades. Wipers can be sneaky like that. We don't always know it's time to replace them until it's too late. So if you're hearing squeaking when you turn on the wipers, if you're seeing streaks or worn, dirty rubber on the blades, you're going to want to head to AutoZone to get them replaced. AutoZone has tons of wipers to help you get back on the road seeing clearer and driving safer. They will help you make sure you get the right wiper size, either with direct help from an AutoZone or in the store or from the vehicle selector at AutoZone.com. Winter is notorious for damaging wiper blades. Now's the perfect time to replace them. Get in the zone, AutoZone. 
sorry, guys. It's I don't good. know what happened. It just went, yeah, 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 and then it just stopped. So, so I think that my childhood, I mean, I knew from a pretty young age that I was good at sports. I scored 27 goals in my first three soccer games. Um, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. My, my mom was like, why don't you pass the ball more? And <laughs> I was five. And I said to her, well, if the whole point of the game of soccer is to score more goals than the other team, and I can do that better than anybody else, I don't actually know what the problem is. So she then spent the next 12, 13 years of my before adult life working on my humility. And she did a good job, I think. Um, (laughs) But the truth is, is like every day we are offered what I call level up, level up moments. Um, When you're a kid, they're they're sometimes more obvious, right? Because there's so many new things. But as you get older, they're less obvious. They're almost insidious in the ways that they appear in your life. So you go to kindergarten or you go to your first practice or you go to your first tryout or you go to your first thing. These are moments where human beings are not comfortable, right? Like even if you are appearing on the outside to be in your zone or in your comfort you aren't because anything new has discomfort associated with it. And the thing that I've learned over the whole of my life is, is how I was able to go from being kind of like a, a pretty elite child is that all of these level up moments I took really seriously. I didn't like leave. I didn't walk out. I didn't just not try. I was like, okay, this is uncomfortable. I don't feel like I actually want to go hide under my bed. Like that's how I feel, Mm. but I'm just going to stay here and see what happens. And then I find myself on the national team. It felt like in an instant. And then again, I'm again feeling this level up moment. I don't, I feel inferior. I'm, I'm not good enough. I don't, you know, and women especially have to combat that imposter syndrome over and over and over again. Um, And so, I don't know. I think that our childhoods do, keep replaying themselves, but just look out for those level up moments in your life. Uh, because I think that that can change if you can learn to be comfortable in that moment of uncomfort. 100%. Abby, I always say this, when shit hits the fan is when it's time to lean in. When I am like, what the heck is going to happen? I have no idea or wow, this really terrifies me or the idea of this is just like so overwhelming. It, it's usually the place that I'm supposed to go. It's really intense. But for me, it's like that's where the best me lies ahead, you know, and, and I, I feel the same way. Like when I was, you know, younger growing up, um, I was the oldest of four kids. So um, there was quite a, a bit of us. And then on top of that, I was one of 19 grandchildren on my mom's side and one of 15 on my dad's. And so family parties, I mean, the only way for me to get attention was look at the talent show that I'm going to put on or today I have a soccer game. Who's going to come, you know? And um, it, it was always just this opportunity for me to just share, to connect with people. And I loved that so much. Um, but a lot of hardship came with that. It was really hard to be so young and have such a strong sense of self. So there's a lot of feelings of being misunderstood, a lot of feelings of feeling like I didn't belong anywhere. You know, I got bullied in in school uh, before I was homeschooled. And so um, what kinds of things would people say to you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think, like I said, a lot of people would say, oh, they were just jealous, you know, but no, I, I really think they just 
didn't understand. You know, I had a lot of different pressures at home um, growing up. You know, when I was nine years old, we lost our home and we lived in my grandparents' converted garage, all six of us with my with my parents and my siblings. And um, we lived there for, for quite a bit amount of time, you know, trying to get our, our, our feet back on the ground. And I felt, you know, this responsibility as the eldest child to put food on the table to show my siblings that nothing's impossible, um, that, you know, we're not going to take no for an answer. Um, we come from nothing. We're fine with nothing. You know, my grandparents came from Mexico to the United States of America and made something out of nothing. I guess this is my opportunity to do the same thing, except it's not in Mexico to the United States. It's in Inglewood to Hollywood, which in, in miles, you know, maybe not that far, but with traffic, it could take a long time to get there. <laughs> and um, it's interesting because I really did. I just put my head down and I just kept working and I kept working and I kept working and I kept with it. And of course, you know, you're a kid. So the support of my family was also very, very important, specifically my mom. Me and my mom, we ate our meals on wheels for a very long time. She would take me from audition to audition to callback to sets to school and back. It was just, it was a lot of juggling. And then, you know, three other kids to take care of. At one point, you're just kind of like, oh, this this child has way too many ideas, way too much energy. <laughs> Somebody help me with her. And that's when I got introduced to my management and, and I got discovered making covers off of YouTube. You know, I figured, well, Justin Bieber did it. I could probably do it too. And, and it was this just kind of like, th- just, just do it. Like, what do I have to lose? I'm already living in a garage. Like, and it's not bad. It's actually fun. And and my siblings are doing good. My parents are doing good. Like, this is for me. This is something that I really enjoy. But, you know, growing up in the industry is a whole other thing that totally triggers exactly what Abby said, that imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Am I talented enough? Is it wor- is it not working because of me or because of other factors around me? And so because you want it so bad, it's hard not to take it so personal when things aren't going the way that you imagined them to be. But I've, I've come to realize it's never the way you imagined it to be. You know, the songs that I wrote at 12 years old at a sleepover with my cousin are not the songs that I'm writing today. But, you know, the dream is is, is happening and it's so crazy. But I think that just that that desire and that that passion and that fire that comes from just knowing like, I don't want to just be the first to do something. I want to be the best to do something. And in order to be the best to do something, you have to keep learning. Uh, Tupac always said, what's not growing is dead. And that's why I'm doing more than just music because I've come to realize as I've grown as an artist that my biggest passion about what I do is connection. So whether that be through sports, whether that be through music, whether that be through the world of beauty, makeup, fashion, I'm just going to go where the wind takes me and wherever is the most uncomfortable to be because that's where the best me lies ahead, you know? Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. 
you, Abby, were talking about leveling up. I remember the moment that I saw a sportscaster at CNN. I was working at CNN. I wanted to do news. And I was walking through the big newsroom and I saw this woman, Nancy Newman, and I will never forget it because she was doing basketball highlights. And I was behind her set and I was looking and the the thought that went in my mind was, oh my God, that's amazing. I could never in a million years do that. Like that is crazy, right? Because my whole focus was news. But a few years later, I end up at a NASCAR race where I meet these photographers who work at a Miami station and they're like, Hey, we have a sports job opening. And I'm like, I would, I would suck at that. I would be awful. And they were like, no, no, no. We'll, you know, we'll coach you up. You'll be talking about the Miami dolphins off the field. I never saw sports ever. Like I didn't think that I could do it. And it's so crazy when you think about like, for me, that was my, Oh shit, this is going to feel really weird. Like, and all of a sudden you're walking into a locker room with, you know, 53 guys and Abby, it's like what you said. You just kind of fake it and go there and figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. Um, so, Becky, when you're talking about the music, my sister-in-law is is a huge fan of yours. And the one thing that she said was, I remember the moment when Becky G's music went from English to the Spanish album. And she said she's from Ecuador. And she said what that taught me was that I can be free to be myself. And so I did not realize how much that resonated with anyone, you know, with women, with whoever it is. And I was curious, based on what she was telling me, what that transition was actually like for you. Yeah, it's an interesting time to look back at because I was like 18 years old and I thought it was the end of my career. You know, if you know anything about the behind the scenes of the industry, contracts aren't always the most pleasant thing to deal with. And, you know, I got signed at 14. And so fast forward, you know, a lot of ups and downs, a roller coaster of almost hitting number one and then you didn't quite make it. And then, oh my God, nothing's working anymore. Is it me? Am I the one? Do people just not think I'm good enough? Like it was crazy wild. And I remember transitioning into um, acting really, really like just switching it up and feeling like I need to do something fresh. Because at this point, I had started at nine years old. I'm, you know, 18 now. I've been doing this for years. And it's just, it just feels like I'm stuck. I felt like I was tied to a sinking ship. And it was really upsetting. And I felt so um, not motivated. I felt so uninspired. And I felt like, you know what, maybe I need to try something new. You know, maybe I need to do something different. And I remember going into... um I had filmed a self-tape while I was on tour and I didn't know what it was for. I actually didn't want to do it. It was like some scenes from The Breakfast Club. It wasn't even like, I didn't know what the project, it was an untitled project, you know? So I'm just like, oh, let me get this shit over with and I'll send it over. So, you know, my team stops bugging me. I just want to sleep on the tour bus all the time because I'm just so sad. And I did the self-tape and I got word back that I had gotten a callback. And that next time I'm in LA, I'm going to go and and do this callback. And so then I went to the callback and then I got another callback. And then I learned, okay, this is producers and directors sit down it's between you and another girl and oh by the way the project is for power rangers and i was like what like the power rangers like it's morphin time go go power rangers (laughs) like okay (laughs) and um it's it's amazing because everyone if you're like if you've done the acting thing, you know what it's like when it's like just you and that other person that they're considering for the role. And it's like all love. But like, I was in a point in my life where I needed this so bad. It sounded so appetizing to like, 
move away from home for the first time. You know, we're Mex- I'm Mexican, so like we don't move out until we're married. But I was just like, man, the idea of living in my own apartment, like moving to Vancouver to film a movie. Wait, wait, people that don't know what that's like, that moment that you just described being against another one, what is it like? Oh, it's it's real. It's really real. It's like, you could be, it's funny because I, I know this person very well. We grew up, you know, going to the same castings all the time. Um, but it's a feeling that it's like, I mean, I can imagine it being kind of like when you have a game against a friend, you know, afterwards, after the, after the game, it's all love. But like when it's time, it's time, you know? And so it was totally that. And I, when I tell you, I kept telling the universe, this is mine. This is mine. I need this. I want this. It's mine. I already have it. Like, they, they did this awesome thing um, because making the suits, this is just like a little like yeah. secret story that I've never shared. They um, The production of making the, the Power Ranger suits was going to take so long. And so at the casting, the final casting, they actually already had a seamstress there to take measurements. So once they made their decision, they could send those measurements directly to production to start making the suit. So I remember standing there in the seamstress taking like, all of my measurements and then they did like one around my head and I was just like picturing like my Power Rangers helmet like how badass it was gonna be and I was like ooh I'm I am a Power Ranger already and um it was awesome because you know there was a lot that I learned about the character that I got casted to play you know Trini is the first Latina superhero without you know it being like oh she's Latina and her family celebrates Cinco de Mayo and they wear sombreros like it was just it she just was and it was awesome she was also questioning her sexuality in high school she's 16 years old she doesn't know if she likes Kimberly she doesn't know if she likes Zach and I was like this is so real like I just appreciate how just raw this character is and I go to Vancouver and I filmed my first studio film and it was terrifying. I felt like I was thrown in with the sharks. I'd never really taken an acting class in my life. These other, you know, my castmates, they've gone to drama school. They're like have parents who are like directors, you know, like crazy credits under their belt. And I'm just like, okay, um, I think I want to say it like this. What do you guys think? You know, and it was just so much fun. I was um, number five on the call sheet. So that means I'm not number one. I'm not a lead lead. I'm like the least important Power Ranger. So I had more days off and I would go to set on my days off because I hated being alone. I grew up sharing a room with my siblings. So I was like, I don't want to be alone in my apartment. So I would go and I would wrap wires. I would learn how to hold the steady camp, put vests on, change pa- batteries and, and, and mic packs. And just, I was obsessed. And I was like, wow, I haven't been this inspired in so long. Maybe I need to do this with my music. Boom. That's when it happened. I remember being on set and being like, I want to direct my own music videos. Whoa. Never had I thought about that before. I had never thought about that before. And then my my team comes to me and they're like, we think it's time be like, maybe it'd be really good for you to like really lean in on, on your Spanish music. And I was like, you know what? I'm terrified of that. You know, I don't know if you guys have watched the movie Selena when her dad says you're the two Mexican for the Americans, yes. you're two American for the Mexicans. You can't be in the middle. It's exhausting. <laughs> and I've lived, I've lived my whole life in the middle. I've I am the middle. And so where do I belong? Will I be accepted here? Will I be accepted there? Can I just be? And I, that means so what you just shared about your your friend just means your sister-in-law means so much to me because that's exactly what what was my fear was was can I do this and will I be accepted and to see that that was another form of representation for not just like you know kids who grew up like myself who represent two flags 
um, and are proud of that, but also like for women and saying like, I'm not going to just stay in this box that I'm being put in, you know, or joke around all the time with my team because of having grown up in the industry and having to become kind of like the man of the house at such a young age. Like there's this joke is like B's got a lot of BDE and it's like BDE stands for, I don't know if this is like super PG so we can like bleep it or something, (laughs) but it's like big. Becky's got big dick energy. Like she's she's got that. Like she she embraces her femininity. She can be sexy as hell. But when we put our boss cap on, I'm gonna get shit done. You know. And so it was like that. That BDE came in real quick, and I was like, Spanish music. It is. We're gonna show people what's up. The label came and told us women don't sell tickets. She'll never have her own tour. Oh, and good luck trying to get her played on the radio. And. We've had multiple number ones now. We've done many, many shows now. Um, we've, I mean, just had so much fun doing it. And, and exactly what you just shared is exactly what keeps fueling me to keep pushing forward is, is that representation is just so key. It's so important. And, and we need more of it. I don't think there's we could ever have enough. Well, it was so fascinating because my sister-in-law, her name is Zuli, and she shared this morning, she said... I don't know if you know that I call myself the Ecuadorian bootleg. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, it's because she has never been confident in her Spanish. And I, that blew my mind because to me, she speaks so beautifully. I would never know that. So that is where the conversation started. And that's mm. such, that is such a fascinating story. Abby, where did you find your like leadership moment in confidence? Because, you know, it, to me, it seems like you've had it for so long, but to have like the profound things that I read that you wrote about in Wolfpack and just the switch that you made to make the decision to just be there for your teammates, you know? Well, let me tell you something about leadership. Um, it is a lie that the world tells you that only white men are the ones that get to be leaders. Um, and it's also a lie that they tell you that you can't learn how to become a good leader. You're not born knowing human psychology, knowing how to motivate, knowing how to inspire, knowing how to collect people and bring people from where they are to where they ought to be. It's like my simplest definition of leadership. And in fact, early days on the national team, I was a crappy leader. Ask any of my former teammates. I was doing what I thought I should be doing rather than doing me my authentic self, my authentic leadership, my voice. Um, so I don't know when it was exactly that I came into it, but it was when uh, one of my favorite coaches, Pia Sundhaga, came to coach our national team. She's a Swedish woman. Um, and the way that she walked into a room, the way that she commanded her presence, I felt myself shift. You know, there's inherent sexism that lives inside of all of us, Okay. And being on the youth national teams throughout my whole life and then getting and finding my way on the senior women's team, I had only really had men as coaches. So watching a woman walk in, you know, I, I had a I had a women coach before, but it was not a, a, a women coach who was evolved. She was a coach coaching like a man. And that's what she thought she needed to do. It's not her fault. It's what she thought. And that's what was expected of women leaders at the time. Well, in walks a Swedish woman from, you know, it felt like she was from from outer space. She started, she pulled out a guitar and she started playing a Bob Dylan song, These Times Are Changing. And for the first few minutes of the song, or seconds rather, 
all of us are, were like looking around, like waiting for Ashton Kutcher to like walk in. Like we're, <laughs> we're for sure being punked right now. And, and she goes on and finishes the song. What was happening at the beginning was like, all of us were like sitting back, like m- terrified, mortified. Like what the hell is happening? Like we're, we're, we're doomed. We're going to lose. We're never going to find our, our, our intensity, you know? And towards the end of it, because she didn't stop, because she kept that internal belief of herself, it showed me what true leadership was. It has nothing to, nothing to do with who's loudest. It has nothing to do with um, who's even the smartest. It has everything to do with who can be themselves the most and then bring out other people's selves the most. And then if you can find a way to collectively unite everybody's individual selves to create one awesome, powerful team, it's that dichotomy between the individual and the collective. If you can find a way to get those individuals to collectively come together, you figured it out. And so leadership is confusing, but leadership can be taught. One thing I know to be true, if you do want to become a leader in your own life, you have to observe more. I have had to learn how to talk less and listen more, especially with parenting, by the way. So, And also for women out there, you aren't a leader when you get into a leadership role. You are a leader of your own life. And so act like it. Pretend that you are the CEO of your own life. Make a schedule. Call your family your team, right? If you don't have agents or managers like Becky and I do, just call your people your team. Pretend it. Just like start making yourself feel important, the important person that you truly are. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my take on leadership. It, it can be it can be learned, um, and I do think that there are some some personalities that are more prone to be great leaders yeah. than others. But yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for that to understand that leadership is really truly um, being your true self authentically all the time. Ugh. I love that so much. I love that. I'm going to go run through a wall now. (laughs) (laughs) X's and O's. Okay, these are some rapid fire questions. Are you guys ready? Yes. Questions for both of you. Okay, Abby, we'll start with you. If I weren't a soccer player, I'd be a? Uh, A a venture capital, a venture capital investor. Wonderful. Why? Um, Because it's the only thing that has brought me the same kind of fear and joy that soccer did i love it all right becky g if you weren't if i weren't a singer what would you be doing i feel like i would do something with food see i'm not gonna think about structure here i'm gonna think about just fully indulging in something that i would love so much so i'd be like a food critic or something because i just love food and i could eat it all day and i love trying new things um i love traveling too and i feel like being a food critic would allow me to like travel to different parts of the world and try different things um so that's super random or a makeup artist because i love painting. I love painting faces. I think it's like really awesome. Awesome. Um, Abby, do you think that you could help with the gold card from Chipotle? Yeah. So here's the thing. It was only a one year deal. Oh, really? Yeah. They gave it to me for one year. And then I don't know, maybe because I got a family and every time I would go, I'd get five (laughs) burritos. (laughs) 
five, we, me and Seb, Seb did the same, the same deal and he did it two years in a row. We still have that Chipotle card. And let me tell Got you, it. the men and family nights that we do and everybody gets their own bowl. They started to put a little cap on it. I was like, maybe we could cater a party with this damn card. No, it doesn't <laughs> work. It doesn't work like that. They're on to you. All right. Guilty pleasure. What would you say? Becky, what is that for you? Mm. See, I'm going to answer food. I just know the, the answer is food to even all the other questions. But um, even before that, I mean, I love going to Disneyland. I grew up obviously here like in L.A. And uh, any any days off that I would get when I would come back from tour, even if I was exhausted, me and my family would go to Disneyland and I'd get my chocolate covered frozen banana standard the best. Okay. Abby, what's your guilty pleasure? I mean, cake batter ice cream from Cold Stone. And yes, we need to rewrite the definitions of what guilty pleasure means because it's bullshit that us women, probably every single woman listening to this is like, guilty pleasure. It's either booze or food. Yep. Got it. Right. Totally. Yeah. You know, I have no guilt. Especially no guilt. during quarantine, you know. Indeed. For me. Okay. My partner thinks I'm annoying because Abby. Oh, I'm loud. I'm loud and I chew loud and I talk loud and I breathe loud. <laughs> Glennon can't handle it. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's amazing. I would say mine is the same. I'm just like always on. I'm like the Energizer Bunny when I'm home. And so it's like Seb and I balance each other out very, very well. He's like very, very like chill and I'm just always on. But there's definitely days like, for instance, this morning we just moved. So it's a longer drive for him to get get to, to training. And it's like 6 30 a.m and i'm like let's go you got this in the kitchen and he's just like half asleep and he's like i love you so much and i'm so thankful for you but i need you to take it down just just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> i love that my mom used to use water guns in the morning on us to get us up before school but also so my husband he calls it my woo and he cannot stand that I'll, I'm a morning person and he is not. Although it's ironic because he works on a morning show. But so same deal with that, Becky. But then but he'll also be like, can you just stop? Like, can you stop? Because, you know, but I can't help it. What's your woo? What does woo mean? Like woo woo, like spiritual? Woo is like your, your like joie de vivre. It's my like, I see shiny objects always. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just mean like, it's, whether it's an idea or like, oh, we could do that. Yes, we should go there for a week. Why not? Like I, there's a sign I have up here behind me and it says start with yes. And I am toying with the possibility that maybe it should be more like start with no, because I know that now, but <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Sebastian, uh, oh, sometimes he has to remind me, everything's really deep for me. So like I can go in layers, layers. I want to know how something was made, why it was made that way, question everything. And so we'll be at dinner and be like, babe, keep it light. Keep it light. Not right now. Keep it light. We're going to say, <laughs> we're going to say I'm here. We're not going to go down there. We're going to stay right here. It's so funny. It's so funny. Okay. One thing that um, is annoying about your partner is. My partner is smarter than everybody else in the world. Probably like honestly. Here she is, right? by the way. Oh, I love it. You guys are so cute. I know. Every Hi, time Glennon. I see you guys. Glennon, I told Abby, you're my sorority sister. And I said, she probably won't remember this. Oh, no, she does. Of course I do. Okay. I didn't know. Well, I know. But because you're, you're just amazing. And you're like, it's just very cool. <laughs> so good to see you. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. She's great. Um, uh, most annoying thing about my partner. I mean, Seb's got a beard, right? And I do... Um, 
I'm not one that's like, it's okay, I'll do all the cooking and I'll do all the cleaning. Don't worry about it. I'm like really big on him, like just cleaning up after himself. But for some reason, when he's just trimming that damn beard, it just ends up all over the <laughs> sink. And his his way of cleaning it is just kind of like just dusting it into the sink, you know? Like yep. you just dust it, but there's still like a little bit there, a little bit there. It's like stuck on the sink. And I'm just like, oh my God. So I would say that's definitely one of like my biggest pet peeves. That's good. We're working on it. All right. Last one. One thing from your bucket list that you want to do that you haven't done yet. (sighs) Mine's like travel right now. I think um, I've never been to Australia or New Zealand. So that. Why those places? Uh, Because I've traveled the world. I feel like I should go to all the countries that (laughs) are that exist. So why not? I got to go down under. I love it. Abby said, mic drop. I've been everywhere in the world. But, (laughs) you know, I still have a couple more places to stop at. Um, I would say mine is traveling, too. You know, I've actually never um, known what it was like to, like, travel somewhere without it being affiliated to work. It's always been, like, for a show. And then, okay, I guess I'll stay one extra day, you know. And and my family sometimes can't be there or Seb can't be there because he's in season. And so, like, I've always wanted in his off season to plan, like, a big family getaway to, like, Disney World. I mean, of course, I think Disney World. Or, like, somewhere tropical. Um, and just, like, stay there. And not just for, like, a night or two, but, like, a decent amount of time where, like, I can actually relax and not do things work-related, you know? Like two weeks at least. I don't know. I might go crazy at two weeks though because then I only know how to work. So then like as far as like five days, I'll be like, you guys want to go home yet? <laughs> you guys ready to go home? Um, yeah. But I mean, that sounds great. Why not? I love it. You guys are the best. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. I think that, Becky, you need to make hats that say BDE. I might steal that from you. <laughs> And I mean that, like, you know what what I've said, though, too, though? And my mom, my mom, one of our, our favorite singers, Jenny Rivera, uh, may she rest in peace. She used to say, she's like, why why do we want want to have one of those? We have ovaries. Thank you very much. And we create life. Thank you very much. So, and so it's, that's why it's it's the joke. It's like, how can B have BDE? Because it's, it's the divine femininity and the divine masculine energy. And it's not, to me, it's not about gender. It's literally about who you are. You know what I mean? And that's just who I am. I guess I got a lot of BDE. So let's, let's make the hats. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. And Abby, thank you. And c- congratulations, both of you guys. And good luck with Angel City FC. How cool is that? Yes. It's going to be awesome. So cool. Thanks, y'all, for having me. I actually have to jump. Becky, we'll see you out in LA. Lindsay, thanks Sounds again. Sounds good. I'm coming to visit. I'm coming. Let's Get it ready. It. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Wow. This is a conversation I want to share with all the women in my life, my friends, my family, especially my daughter when she's old enough to get these concepts. These women, Abby Wambach and Becky G, they are so smart and so focused. That's what really struck me. I got chills listening to Becky G's description of how landing the movie Power Rangers sparked the desire to get back to her Latin roots musically. Her drive as a child and the fact that she described living in the garage for a period as a kid, but loving that time, that really made me think and and use my mom perspective, you know, that what we know, especially during the year we've all had, is 
the resilience of kids and the adaptability, um, that it's the simple things that they will remember most. I love that. I read Abby's book, Wolfpack, as prep for this interview. Um, it made me want to run through a brick wall. My neighbor, who actually turned me onto that book, said to me before this conversation, I want to know how she would say you build your wolf pack. How do you do it? And Abby shared that secret without me even asking her. I value her advice on that so much because it is so good. Get your team, create your support that allows you to be and feel as important as you truly are. The thing I will take most from this conversation is the notion of leaning into the discomfort. These two even make me almost want to seek those opportunities out. So thank you, Abby. Thank you, Becky. And thank you for listening.